Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com, joined by Beaver's Edge writer and KGO radio host TJ Matthewson. Good to talk with you guys again. Uh, this time we're coming to you from our respective homes, not at the pro throw practice fields where you've come to see TJ and I so frequently these last couple of weeks as we've been knee deep in fall camp. Uh, the Beavers had a closed practice today and then have uh, various closed uh, sessions uh, throughout the and off days throughout the weekend. We'll be back at Oregon State Fall Camp. We're expecting uh, sometime early next week, likely Tuesday. But great to be talking with you guys again. It's great to be back on the big podcast. TJ, what's going on, man? How is uh, how's your house now that it's a little bit cooler? You uh, you surviving? It's it's doing okay. It was a little <laughs> steamy in here earlier this week. What what was it? Four consecutive 100 degree days. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I think it was all at least 100 degrees mm-hmm. down here. And you know, I got no air conditioning in my apartment, <laughs> so it gets it gets a little hot in here. I was trying to record another podcast in here on Monday, and I think the heat was messing with my computer, and it was literally <laughs> just stopping the recording because it was working too hard to cool off. It was yeah. it was a nightmare. And obviously, when you podcast, you like close everything, sure, and turn off yeah. the fans. So yep. it was a it was a it was a hot box in here, <laughs> unintentional, but it was yeah, good. It's no. good to get some some cooler temperatures, and it was. Really nice to be at practice yesterday with some slightly cooler temperatures. And I'm sure the guys oh, appreciated yeah. that too after oh, yeah. running around in helmets and pads and in nearly 100 degrees. Oh, it's a grind. I mean, and then you think about like adding the layer of uh, turf temperature and then, like you said, all the pads and everything. And then I'm going to take it a step further and say those bigger guys on the team, the guys who are 300 plus pounds, that's tough. And, you know, we were, we were sitting there watching post practice, TJ. We didn't necessarily see if it happened earlier in the week, but on Thursday we saw the offensive lineman doing some up-downs after practice, and I was like, man, it's even in 90 degrees, which it was on Thursday, that's still pretty hot for a 300-pound guy getting up and down. So luckily uh, Coach Mahalchuk didn't make him do too many rounds of up-downs, but uh, nevertheless uh, an exciting time at practice this week, and uh, we'll obviously be diving into it. TJ and I are going to break down uh, each position group and uh, kind of give you guys a full preview heading into the final week of fall camp. Again, Oregon State has one more week of fall camp remaining before they officially get into San Jose State prep. And interestingly enough, TJ, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how they formulate that because they're going to get the ability to see San Jose State as soon as a week from tomorrow because they play USC in week zero so I anticipate that will be worked into their mix of how quickly they get into the Spartans. But again, with, uh, uh, you know, several weeks now into camp and, uh, you know, another week to go, you know, it, it's been about what we've expected, TJ. And, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today before we dive into the individual position groups. I have a little wood here to my left, folks. Hopefully you can hear me knocking on that. There haven't been any injuries. And thinking about that, I, I it just, click for me when I was going through my daily you know routine today and doing some stuff and I'm like you know Oregon State's avoided the big injury in fall camp and I think at this point you know it's not to say that they they won't have an injury but I think you know that kind of shows how well and how according to plan fall camp has gone in numerous respects and that's just one aspect but when you talk about how we expected DJ to take off and seize with the quarterback battle that's happened we expected, you know, the uh, offensive line to kind of be a strength. We expected the defensive line to take a step forward. We expected some growing pains at linebacker and defensive back. Um, you know, we expected running back to be very different with the loss of Jam Griffin if they would bubble wrap the other guys. So pretty much all the storylines that we previewed going into camp, folks. TJ, would you kind of agree 
it's kind of all gone according to plan, as the Joker would say. <laughs> well, I think we can count Marco Brewer's injury. It was the week before That's true. Camp. That's true. And That's true. if it happened a week later, I mean, then we'd That's be true. saying, oh, disaster. <laughs> you lose your starting, we kinda your starting that, right guard. Yeah. We had that the, settled into the brain, like you said, a week before camp started. But you're right. I, I should have mentioned that as well. But otherwise, you're right. I think everything has really shook out the way you've wanted to. You've been able to go too deep on the offensive right. line, too deep on the defensive line. And we it was so funny, Jim Mahalchik this week, we're trying to trying to get starters out of him. And he's like, well, I don't have a depth chart, <laughs> which is funny. Sure and it seems like the team? same the same thing on the on the defensive line. They like they have their starters, but it's like we don't see much of a drop off when they go from first to second unit, which is something we're really looking forward to seeing. It's like, OK. Well, now let's see these guys in camp, in pads, really going at it. And, man, I mean, that second team defensive line, like you wouldn't be able to tell the difference if they were the starters or not. It's been very impressive. Seen good rotations at that other linebacker spot next to Easton. Uh, the wide receivers seem pretty set as well. Nice rotation of tight ends. I mean, the roster's really kind of settling itself down with a few position battles here and there. But for the most part, it's been – it's allowed us to – watch the quarterbacks and pay attention to the quarterbacks, which is what everyone wants to see. And I don't right. think they've disappointed either. Right. And again, as TJ mentioned, you know, we've had complete rotation breakdowns inside the damn board on beaversedge.com for all 13 days enable, uh, or rather all 13 practices so far. Oregon State had practice 14 today is uh, close. Again, right now, I want to go ahead and give this a quick plug. If you guys haven't checked out any of our fall camp content, we've got a fall camp headquarters page. It's got everything TJ and I have done for every single practice we've been able to be at. We've got video breakdowns, inside scoop, practice highlights. You want to get eyes on TJU throwing, Aiden Childs throwing eyes on Isaiah Newell, Damian Martinez running, uh, offensive lineman blocking drills. We've got all that. And the best part is we've got an amazing, and I mean amazing promo going on at Beaver's Edge right now. Uh, you get 75% off for an entire year. Normally costs 100 bucks to get Beaver's Edge for the year. You can get it for 25 So go ahead and just head on over to beaversedge.com, and that's uh, on the front page. TJ and I talked about it a little bit yesterday uh, at the Pro Throw practice fields, just how great of a deal it is. It gets you the full scoop to everything TJ and I have to offer, and Importantly, uh, you can get on the damn board, talk with other Beaver fans, drop questions for us on the action. Uh, other than, you know, it's about uh, the very few people that cover football. TJ and I like to think of ourselves as uh, pretty knowledgeable when it comes to uh, Oregon State sports and feel like we can answer all your questions. So, again, to note uh, some of those guys and all those specific rotations, as TJ mentioned, defensive line going six deep at times and guys like, you know, Thomas Collins, guys like uh, Takari Hickel, that maybe you haven't heard a ton of if you've just been reading our, our free versions of reports. Definitely make sure to head on over to that promo and check that out. But, uh, TJ, let's go ahead and start on the offensive side of the ball. We mentioned quarterback. Let's go ahead and start there as it is the position that about, but they shouldn't be. And I say that with the most, um, like, confidence I've ever had. Like I said, I've covered – Oregon State football consistently since the 2014 season. Other than when in 2019, it was very clear to me that Jake Luton was the top option at quarterback over Tristan Jevia. And I take out the 14 season where Sean Mannion was already the entrenched starter. So again, just kind of omit that 14 year if no one was going to beat out Sean Mannion. But 
year since I've seen quarterback battles. And other than 19, when after about two weeks, I'm like, that guy, Jake Luton, the guy who, for all intents and purposes, is still getting a paycheck at the NFL level, was better than Tristan Jebbia. And that played out over the course of the years. Oregon State had a pretty good passing offense in 19, a passing offense they'll be looking to get back to. That kind of separation was just a baseline. I think Ben has played about as well as you could have expected to. I think he improved greatly from the end of last season to now. His growth, I'll, I'll say that, Ben's growth has been impressive. He attacked the offseason hard. He looks sharper. He looks a little quicker moving around um, and really looks like he's in command of the offense. The biggest difference there, TJ, Ben is not a five-star recruit and not one of the consensus just unicorn-type quarterback prospects to come out of high school football in the last few years. And it's like, you go back and look at Rivals 2020 player rankings. It's only one quarterback ranked higher than DJU in that class. He plays for the Carolina Panthers now. So again, rankings are subjective. It depends where a kid is, a myriad of factors. But if DJ gets anywhere close to unlocking that full talent with Oregon State this season, TJ, it could be an Oregon State offense like we haven't seen in years. And I mean that from the truest sense of like the Beavers, you know, I mean, they, they've got a great thing with Aiden Childs in the pipeline, but even Aiden Childs is a very different style of quarterback than DJ is. DJ specifically, Oregon State isn't usually in the mix for those guys, TJ, and I think they truly found themselves a stud in DJU, and he's not going to but from what we've seen in practice, his command of the offense, and I think back to last year when you were at practices and I'd be texting you, you know, how are things going? Or you'd be, you know, texting me. And the common theme, whether it was Chance, Tristan, or Ben, was the inability to hit the deep ball. You're like, Chance missing deep balls today. Ben missing deep balls today. Real concern here with the deep balls today. And then I go to a game against Washington where the deep ball inaccuracy cost them a chance to win. And then I think back to DJ make or a 40 or 50 yard pass that has landed right in the bread basket of Anthony Gould or Silas Bolden. And I'm not, I'm not a million dollar head coach, but the quarterback competition's over to me, TJ. Do you have any that declarative statement? Well, you took a lot of the points. I don't know how much (laughs) more I can add here. I will say, even I I don't even think you or I were expecting to see this level of understanding of this offense from DJ in fall camp. I mean, it was apparent pretty quickly how much different he was now than uh, he was in the spring. In the spring, you know, I thought he sucked. To be honest, I thought I did. I I thought he was. It was rough. He was was struggling in the offense, but he has looked in control. I mean, whatever facet of quarterback you're curious about, how's DJ operated in the pocket? Well, he's hung in the pocket pretty well and hit some yeah. really tough throws at all three levels, which yeah. is what you want to see. What about out of the pocket? Well, he's ran out of the pocket very like smoothly outrunning linebackers and throwing on the run accurately. What about running? Well, he hasn't run a whole lot. I know he doesn't want to run a whole lot in this offense. That's kind of the re- half the reason he left Clemson because yeah, they ran him too much. But 
I, you heard Deshaun he, Fenwick talk about him running. It's like, who the who wants to tackle that guy? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so he he kind of checks all the boxes here. And he has been infinitely more accurate again at all three levels of the field than I could have ever imagined he would be. Agreed. We'll see what Agreed. happens when the lights turn on and the games actually start counting sure. and start being played. But against what's probably going to be one of the best defenses in the Pac-12, sometimes even this week playing with the third team offensive line and backup receivers out there. Right. You wouldn't know. He's right. got total control. If there's one guy in fall camp who's consist- consistently scoring touchdowns on this offense, it's DJ. And he and he yeah. makes it look makes it look pretty easy too. And I think it's going to be a pretty wow. easy decision for the coaching staff. Yeah. And again, that's to say that, you know, I mean, I think it's just how effort like you know, you talk about just to like put, and this is a totally unfair comparison, but the same way that they talk about how shooting a three is effortless for him, like he just makes it look so effortless. You see DJ like flick his wrist and the ball goes like 60 yards. Like, you know what I mean? It just, it looks effortless. Just, man, his mechanics are smooth. Uh, he's, you know, as you mentioned, earned rave reviews from his teammates and, you know, I'm not saying it because I'm not sure exactly, you know, Oregon State's still going to be a running offense. They're not going to, throw, you know, have him be Michael Penix out there, right? He's not going to drop back and throw 40, 50 times a game, and that might even be a little high for Penix. I, he led the nation and yeah, he did. He led the nation in passing last year. So I don't expect that. I just expect DJ to be like, okay, Oregon State's ran time, and now defense is loading the box and DJ is going to hit you over the top and he's not going to miss like that. That's where I see his strength this year. And he's a genuine dude. I mean, yeah, no, he is. What he's other awesome play? Dude. There has not been a single other player. In my time here at or covering Oregon state. I've been here now over two years that after the media session is done, he stay sticks around and talks to everybody yeah. in the, in, in the circle, like genuine. everybody genuine, genuine dude. nice, genuine nice guy. Dude. Yeah, And I think all those boxes get checked off here for what you want in a quarterback. And I think it's going to end up being a, a decently easy decision for Jonathan uh, as well. And it, it's helped too. We were like coming into this fall camp saying, well, what if Aiden Childs looks like he did in the spring? Well, Aiden Childs has really struggled passing the ball down the field. I mean, you see it every Green. practice, that accuracy looking downfield, the anticipation, it's really not quite there for Aiden. And I think that that helps even make the decision a, a yeah. little bit even easier than it already is. And, and and I think that will come, TJ. It's not like we 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 can come in here and say, and you know, I wrote about this in our ranking the position group story at beaversedge.com today. It's not like we can say it's not like, you know, Aiden Childs is a bust. It's just that he's 17 years old and going up against what we think is going to be a really good Pac-12 defense. And as TJ has alluded to in his Nuggets weekend, we Trent Bray has thrown different wrinkles at him all the time trying to throw him off his spots make him uncomfortable and it's working right and you're seeing some of those freshman tendencies like getting a little too jittery overthrowing a guy uh tending to scramble rather than go through the reads but again hard to go through the reads when you've got linebackers in your face immediately and your you know natural instinct is to run that's all to say i still think aiden childs and i wrote about this too aiden childs tj can still do things that no other quarterback can on the roster. He has more top-end quickness and speed than DJ. And that's that's not, you know, he's just, he's a lot, he's not 250 pounds. He moves a little bit better. 
DJ, again, for all lack of better terms, is built like an inside linebacker at six foot five, two hundred forty-eight pounds. Aiden is a little bit skinnier at six foot, I think about two twenty, and I think that'll be pretty close to his playing weight. I think he's excuse me, like six foot two, six foot one, somewhere in that mix. Um, don't have it right in front of me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think once he dials in just the fullness of this offense and gets a full season to learn under DJ, learn under Ben. And I say that because Ben has done a lot to help DJ and DJ has said as much. Ben has said, Ben's been that great guy in the room who has been so receptive and to helping others. And you got to give Ben credit for that. You know, he could have transferred, done any number of things and stuck it out. So credit to him there. But again, putting a bow tie on the quarterbacks, I think it's going to be DJ. I think TJ thinks the same thing. Childs is the future, obviously still whatever the future of Oregon State football might be on this season. And I think Ben will be, you know, a quality backup in case anything goes wrong. We might see Childs in some, you know, Coletto-type packages, maybe in some blowout-type situations. But that's ultimately how I expect the quarterback battle to shake out. Uh, Moving over to the running backs, not a lot to report here. Pretty much everything we knew coming into camp, stagnant. Martinez won, yep. Fenwick, Newell, uh, 2A, 2B for, uh, you know, lack of better terms. And the most important part, and again, this is the big takeaway, they've largely put those three guys. Newell's gotten the most reps, but for the most part, all three of those guys been in bubble wrap. Very few live reps. Gavin Haynes, Jake Reichel, been getting the majority of the reps. No complaints from me there. Not a lot of surprise there. They're going to have a strong um offensive line to run behind i'd like to see that group add some more pass catch their ability i think we've seen that a little bit in camp particularly newell uh, but other than that uh, position group that there's not a lot of questions no there's not it they they're going to rotate those guys a lot damien's number right. one but they're going to rotate and those walk-ons are going to get some some touches too we've talked about this but they're not going to make it through the season with all these guys being healthy it's just not sure. not possible so we're going to see one of these two guys, and Jonathan has name dropped both those walk-on guys as guys he's been very impressed with in the running back room. So that's something I keep an eye on. Um, but they're really just honestly just saving Damien for for a couple of weeks from now. No doubt. And moving over to receiver, TJ, you and I feel pretty good about what Anthony Gould and Silas Bolden can do, and I think uh, Beaver fans are feel the same way. I think both both or one of those guys need to be pushing for that thousand yard mark this year. And, you know, you look at, you know, um, you know, losing Trayshawn Harrison and Tyjon, that could open up some more opportunities for those guys. And I think those guys are capable, uh, but they're going to have to get the ball in their hands and being those smaller receivers, you're going to be looking to send them deep more. And that's where connecting on the deep ball is going to be so crucial to their success. Right now, as it currently stands, it looks like Josiah Irish is going to be the guy in the mix to kind of be that third receiver as of now. You know, there are some other guys to keep an eye on. You know, I look at uh, David Wells. Um, I look at Jimmy Valson and then, um, excuse me, uh, Juco transfer Jemai East. And then a couple walk-ons who I think will factor into the mix. I'm not sure how much. Maybe it's a special teams receiver type role. But keep an eye out for Trent Walker, Jeremiah Noga. Both those guys have been getting a ton of reps, and TJ will back me up on this. Not twos and threes reps. Those guys have been getting reps with the ones. It could be as they've been limiting Gould and Bolden. but And, and even – I'll add another guy, uh, Rueya Manyagi Jr., who was a recipient of a DJU touchdown pass during the scrimmage. Another walk-on guy. 
again, it's hard to know how much a walk-on re- walk-on receivers are going to play, kind of like what we mentioned with the walk-on running backs. But those guys are tough. They're physical. And they make some good plays in the ball. And in the case of Noga, he's the biggest guy yeah. at six foot two, TJ. Yeah, and he's been making the most plays, to be honest. If you turn on any any camp tape, I think they tweeted out a highlight of him today. That was I highlighted that in the Nuggets where they were par- practicing at Reeser on was it Wednesday. And he yeah. catches a touchdown right between two guys, shakes off both of them, and runs into the end zone for a touchdown. I think that capped off practice. And that's just kind of a summary of what exactly he's done. Uh, to be fair, though, like the top three, I think, are pretty much set in stone. Yep. Anthony Gould has been load managed more than anyone in, in fall camp. Uh, yes. Like he'll be good he totally to go for week been. one, but he, we've seen him on the field two days. Yeah. Maybe. A little. Very, and the very one, little. one of the days he was on, I mean, he absolutely lit it up. He, he caught a he long DJ pass. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah. he did. I remember, <laughs> Seems yeah, like they yeah. got the chemistry down, Yeah. but otherwise they've, they've used that as an opportunity to work in all these, all these other guys too. And they've looked pretty good. I, uh, you know, I think the, that wide receiver room is pretty solid, not a whole lot of size, but effective yeah they, they're pretty effective and I think it's the same thing for the tight end room there's going to be a lot of rotating Jack Belling might be number one Jermaine Terry also might be but man it just seems like they're just going to yeah. have that position on rotation constantly throughout the season Definitely. I'd be really I mean, curious to see if they're really going to have one receiving option there or if they're just going to really be like you know what whoever's up is up yeah, it's going to be interesting because that's that's a perfect transition because I think the height will come from the tight ends. And we've seen Coach Waz, Coach Lindgren even kind of say that. Jermaine Terry, you know, comes in. I think he's the biggest pure receiving body. And when we coached, talked to Coach Waz, um, I that was last week, when he was like, you know, he's the guy that probably needs to improve a little bit more as a run blocker. Riley Sharp is the biggest unicorn for lack of better terms because he played outside linebacker for the last four years i'm not exactly sure what his role is going to be whether that's more of a blocker uh more of an h-back maybe more of a coletto type role to be determined right man coletto lined up as a fullback last year as like a tight end so you never know but starting with the first two guys jake overman jack belling jack belling Y'all are going to be so happy that he was thrown into the mix as a true freshman last year. And while it wasn't always pretty, his trial by fire is going to be huge for him this season. As TJ and I mentioned, like week one of camp, it's almost like the Beavers know what it's like to play with Luke Musgrave, without Luke Musgrave, because they did it for 11 games last year. So they played 13 games and had Luke Musgrave for two of them. So that's not even like something where I'm like, oh, they lost Luke Musgrave. Incredible talent. I'll be drafting him in my fantasy league as a backup tight end this year. I think he's going to nice. be quite well, good. Well, he's going to play a lot. He's yeah, going to play a he's lot. Be quite good. Um, but <laughs> as far as Oregon State this year, I think the tight end room actually shakes out better. Jake Oberman is the best blocking tight end in that room. But TJ, I mentioned it to you a couple weeks ago. I've seen him flash a lot more receiving chops this fall camp. I've liked what I've seen from him. He was a very high-level recruit coming out of uh, high school. Again, the receiving aspect really hasn't come yet, but I kind of attribute that to Oregon State's middle-of-the-road quarterback play. But he's that blocker that needs to add the receiving game, the receiving touch to his game. I think he can based on what we've seen in fall camp. Jack Velling, the opposite. The receiving tight end who Wozniak said he wants to add more of the blocking aspect to his game. Then you've got Jermaine Terry and Riley Sharp, as we mentioned. So I think it will be some mix and matching. Coach Wallace said they expect to go four deep. So I expect these guys, you know, he didn't have 
a problem giving us a depth chart, TJ. He's like, we'll go four deep with these guys. So, uh, you know, it seems to me like they really like that talent in the tight end room. And I think it's going to be whatever guy is most effective on that day is kind of getting the run. And for lack of better terms, and, you know, I know there are some Beaver fans who uh, maybe don't want to hear the comparison because uh, it was they they've, uh, have a tendency to have been quite good these last couple of years. I want to see Oregon State's tight ends be like Utah's tight ends. I want to see them have Dalton Kincaid and Brant Keithy type numbers. Now, granted, Dalton Kincaid was a first-round pick, but so was Luke Musgrave this last year – or second-round pick, excuse me. But you, you get what I'm getting at. Utah featured their tight ends, and they were such a weapon for Cam Rising in that offense. There's a lot of similarities offensively to how Utah and Oregon State do things at times – also hang their hat on defense. I'd like to see that continue for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of potential there for that group. And again, it's going to be really interesting to see how that all shakes out. Let's go ahead and move to the big, uh, the big guys up front, TJ. Again, the depth in the room is impressive. I think they have the ability to go several deep. But the important thing to note is left tackle set with Joshua Gray. It's not changing. Left guard and Ellie Bloomfield, not changing. Center, Jake Levengood, not changing. Right tackle, Talise Fuaga, not changing. Those four guys, preseason, all Pac-12 lists. And as TJ mentioned earlier, before fall camp, it would have been five guys that would have been coming back with starting experience if Marco Brewer would have been there to grab that other right guard spot. Fortunately, he did have the ACL tear in off-season workouts. But with that being said, I think Tanner Miller, who has been the guy at right guard for most of camp, and Grant Stark, the Nevada transfer who came in with just a ton of experience. And I know he was more of a tackle, but Jim Halchek has prided himself on saying guys can play different spots and they like to know that their offensive linemen can be versatile. I look at how Jake Levengood made the transition from guard to center. So I don't really look at those positions as being too detrimental. I think it will be just getting the best five guys on the field based on what I've seen. And I think what TJ's seen, Tanner Miller and Grant Stark have been those two most consistent guys. Yeah, and it's been Tanner Miller getting a majority of the the true first team reps. It's really been a hard. If you've been reading the Nugget Report, really hard to to get a to get a line on what exactly is the starting unit of offensive line because they literally just threw out a mix out right. there this week. But as I would imagine, I think I think it's going to be Tanner Miller. It, they've given the indi- indication by what they've what combinations they've been running to that it's going to be Tanner Miller and Jonathan Smith said earlier this week that his biggest thing now with the especially the second team offensive line is getting all those guys on the same page, which makes me think, well, if Tanner Miller's been trying to get on the same page with those other four that he's been playing with most of practice, that he is probably going to be the one. Right. And and again, like I said, I think he will get that first run. I think it's important to know that, you know, you got Grant Stark there. You know, a guy with several starts was uh, an all-Mountain West selection of the second team last year. So just having that de facto guy, you know, this last year it was Hanelli Bloomfield, right? That guy who is a plug-and-play guy ready to go. Marco Brewer goes down, they throw Hanelli Bloomfield in there, and it's almost like Hanelli was so good – he wasn't going to give the starting spot back. That's where Brandon Kipper leaving was like, oh, that's how leaving. Graduating was like, oh, that's how, you know, uh, Marco Brewer will get his spot back. So, again, I think, you know, that just speaks to the depth in the room and how Coach Mahalchik's been able to, you know, uh, coach up those guys. Switching over to the other side of the ball, let's start with the defensive line, TJ. 
I would say my superlative MVP group of fall camp. Bold take Man, or I, just right? I don't even I said I don't even know if that's a hot take, to be honest. Every single day they have been harassing the quarterbacks. Every, Every single day. And it's not just been one guy. I mean, you go read our practice reports. It's you go six, seven different guys who yeah. are TJ's disrupting. Listed I mean, off a whole bunch I haven't dudes. I haven't even like I did I don't even think I like I, I gave Isaac Hodgins his own line until yesterday where he literally picked up Tyler Morano and threw him into Ben Goldbranson for a sack. And that was, yeah, that the, was like the one of the last guys I wrote about. Yeah, like right at the nuts. end. And, and and Isaac's been on the second team for most of the time. But man, these guys are impressive. And these guys mixed with the with the length and the speed of the outside linebackers, it's a deadly combination. Yeah. They are they are gonna make some some lives miserable, I, I will say. It's, They've been so effective at, at affecting a quarterback. It's the hunger of the group, the same way that in the secondary last year, you had guys like Jaden Grant, Rajon Wright, and Alex Austin who were like, no, nah, no, nah, we're not going to play subpar anymore. And not to say that the defensive line did last year because they were solid in helping Oregon State have a tremendous run defense and all that. But if you talk to the defensive linemen, they're like, we didn't get after the quarterback enough. And it really seems like they're almost taking that personally heading into fall camp. And again, credit coach Leahy, I know he has taken some heat over the years as, you know, he's had to rebuild that position group from, I think, three or four scholarship guys when Jonathan Smith came in. It was a disaster. There was not a position group on the roster that was in worse shape from the Gary Anderson era than defensive line. And I think you got to credit. And like I said, whether it's, you know, James Rawls, Sione Lolohea, Joe Golden, Isaac Hodgins, Quincy Wright, Thomas Collins, Takari Hickel, all the above. Um, I think it's been, you know, it's been impressive. And it's going to be, that's definitely a position group I tell Beaver fans, circle, because you're going to be impressed. Uh, TJ mentioned the lot, or go ahead. Yeah. Thomas Collins is going to play, guys. Yes, he True will. freshman. Yes, he will. He's going to play and probably play a lot. Yeah, he will. And again, that tells a guy coming from Sweden, that tells me uh, yeah. he definitely. Uh, Got taught some American football pretty well over there. But let's go ahead and move over to the linebackers, TJ. Outside linebacker, pretty set. I expect it to be Drew Chatfield, um, John McCartan, Corey Stover, Nico Taylor. A combination of those four. After that, we'll see. But those four will probably be leading the way. Inside my projections right now, Easton Mascarenas, John Miller, backup, Makaya Tung, Calvin Hart Jr. Any disagreements? Nope. That sounds just about as as accurate as it has. Easton's not played a, a whole bunch these latter stages, but right. you know, John Miller's been out there with a number of different groups and he's looked good. He's been getting his hands on the football too. Yeah. Again, like I said, I'm biased, but the pride of twelve in Oregon just down the road from me. I, I'm rooting for John Miller selfishly. Uh love to see those local guys, you know, Oladapo, Jaden Grant, you know. Uh, even the walk-on running backs, you know, I think that's such a crucial piece to Oregon State football is getting those guys from local situations who are hungry, determined to, you know, work several years for their spot and, you know, rise up the depth chart, for lack of better terms. And you mentioned we haven't seen a ton of Easton. I think that's largely maintenance-related. They know how good he is and what he can do. Um, you know, a uh, possible we could see some other guys in that mix as well, guys like Melvin Jordan or Isaiah Chisholm who recently cracked the rotation a little bit. Um, but again, Makaya Tong's been impressive. Calvin Hart Jr. has been impressive. And I think those two guys, typically we've seen two backups 
enough reps for two backups to play. I would expect to be those guys. And then outside linebackers, you mentioned it. I think those guys will really be able to get after the quarterback. So transitioning back to the secondary, arguably the most important part of the defense that is still to be determined. Big that they got Katano Ladapo, Ryan Cooper back. In addition, Alton Julian, who has not played since mid-2021. TJ, you and I saw with our own two eyeballs, uh, four eyeballs, I should say, uh, this week. Alton running with the third team, going live full speed, that side to side action. He was he, he looked really good planting on the on his various leg. I can't remember off the top of my head which leg it was, uh, which knee rather it was, but planting really good on both. And he really looks like after about another week or two, he might not be full go by the start of the season, but he's getting close. He is getting close. I'd be curious how they rotate him in because that secondary group, it seems like is pretty set. I mean, I think it's going to be Jaden Robinson at one corner spot, Ryan yep. Cooper at the other one. And then the two safeties are going to be Achille Arnold and, and Katana Ladapo. That's, that's been the the one group they've, they've liked out there a lot, but they haven't been afraid to rotate some of those younger guys in there as well. Right. And I think when they go five and they run the nickel, you'll see Trice Ivy go over to corner and Coop shift back over to nickel now, granted, they've moved guys around quite a bit. Again, kind of like the uh, t- uh, offensive lineman, how Coach Mahalchek likes his group to be versatile and play all positions. Blue Adams and Anthony Perkins are the same way. They're like, you should be able to play safety and cornerback. Is that ideal? Maybe not, but that's just how they train their guys to be able to plug and play everywhere. So I think we're going to see that. Um, some other guys who have impressed uh, here in fall camp, I really like what I've seen from Jermaud McCoy, Noble Thomas, Joe Swen, and Drake Vickers uh, behind Ivy as you know, kind of those guys at corner. Achille Arnold, again, as he mentioned too, is uh, a, a guy who I expect to probably start game one opposite of Oladapo if Julian's not quite back to 100%. But for the most part, the biggest thing with this group, TJ, can they overcome the growing pains? We heard you know, the media asking uh, the defensive line this week about, hey, or asking the cornerbacks rather, about the defensive line this week saying, hey, if they generate a pass rush, will that help you guys, you know, gain a better, you know, um, overall level of comfort as they're breaking in some new guys? Because it won't be as stout as last season. No, and it'll be a lot of communication. I mean, you you had those all, uh, so many veterans in that group right. last year, but now you got a guys working together. Yeah, they practice together, but out there on the field when it matters, really as a collective group for the for the first time when it when it matters. So that's gonna. That's going to be pretty important. They have looked pretty staunch, though, in practice. I will say they've gotten their hands on some on some balls. And outside of DJ, I mean, they haven't been allowing a whole lot. No, and again, talking to Jaden Robinson yesterday, he feels like the group is still hungry. He said, you know, the group is young, maybe a little, uh, you know, uh, light on experience in some spot, but he doesn't feel like there's going to be much of a drop-off and that this new standard of Oregon State football uh, will be it. So, Again, that go, that's going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Edge Podcast. TJ and I will be back at fall camp practice next week for the final week of fall camp before the Beavers start to transition uh, into game prep. So make sure to stay tuned to beaversedge.com. As we mentioned, for all of our content, all the stuff that's premium, make sure to head over to the front page, beaversedge.com. Through uh, the end of this weekend, we've got an awesome promo going on where you can get Beaver's Edge full access for just $25. That's 75% off. You get everything TJ and I have to offer. Dylan Callahan Crowley, our premium recruiting expert as well. So definitely make sure to take advantage of that. It will not last long. So again, make sure to stay tuned to beaversedge.com. Big shout out to TJ Matthewson uh, on this edition of the podcast. We'll be back next week 
live from pro throw practice fields. 